right, welcome in the Strength and Things That the Rain podcast. We sure are glad that you're here uh, this evening, and uh, we appreciate you watching. Appreciate particularly, particularly, it's easy for you to say, particularly <laughs> for uh, those that share the podcast and <laughs> and, and and buy the mugs. <laughs> we really appreciate you. The uh, Strength and Things Remain brought to you by Escoda Pottery. <laughs> We're glad to have Brother Jeremiah Simpson with us, and we're really super glad to have Mr. Ezekiel Simpson. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so his fish the is going to talk, talk for you. Okay. Good. So we, uh, we wanted to have you, brother, on the podcast. I know people that are watching, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people yeah. followed Ezekiel's story. Yes, sir. Just tell us a little bit about what happened for those that might not know. Well, um, Lozique had a bacterial meningitis. Um, we went to church on Wednesday night, and uh, it was May the 3rd. Uh, you want your fish? May the 3rd, and uh, went to bed healthy, went to bed normal. He was running around with, with his papa on Wednesday night at church, and, and uh, man, woke up Thursday morning and uh, unresponsive. Um, I, I was teaching. I was teaching a Zoom class in my office upstairs in our house, and uh, when I went up there, kids were uh, in the house, and Bree was in the house, my wife. And uh, when I came downstairs after teaching that class, no, my house was a ghost town, and uh, I had a text that said, "I'm taking Zeke to the ER," and uh, I had no idea. I just uh, I come down, and they was gone. Um, my little girl was at my mom and dad's house, and with COVID, I couldn't. I couldn't go into the hospital oh, yeah. I, with the hospital that we that she took him to at the house there in Elkin, and I, so I was at home, didn't know what was going on. Oh, my. Um, and so they had him in Elkin, moved him from Elkin on that Thursday. Just kept him there for about six hours. Moved him to Brenner's down in Baptist in Winston Salem, and by that time I was able to go in with him, and uh, thankfully. I don't know what I've done. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I talk about the most miserable oh, three hours of my yeah. life was sitting in that house because he was unresponsive. He was, um, he had slept in on a Thursday morning. We had been out church late, you know how things are, and uh, so we just let him sleep that Thursday morning. When brief finally thought I gotta go check him, and uh, yeah, he's a wild man. But I gotta go check him. When she went in there, she woke him up, and he was breathing. He was breathing, but he was totally unresponsive. So. Uh, he was like at the hospital, and not to be too graphic, but throwing up nasty. I mean, it was awful. And when I got to Brenner's and Winston, he had kind of lifted up a little bit. He had kind of woke up. And uh, the doctors in the ER actually thought, you know, well, it's just some viral, something sick. And they didn't let him go home that Thursday mm-hmm. evening. And uh, me and Brady, you know, parents know, you know. Yeah. And they said, no, we got to do something. And... Uh, that's when okay, and so we they put us in a room. They ran every test. I mean, every test they could couldn't find out. wasn't until Friday night that they even found out what it was, and uh, they did a spinal tap. Little fellow, where'd that go? They did a spinal tap on him, and uh, we was in a ho- in the in the hospital room. And everything was normal. Doctors coming in and out. All of a sudden, on that Friday night, a doctor, one doctor came in, dressed head to toe. In every suit, I mean, I, she, as soon as she walked in, I could see her face right now. And my heart sank because I mm. knew this everything has just changed. And they had, had said he had bacterial meningitis. Well, 
we couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. So really, in, in, in a sense, that we were kind of happy that we knew something right. was. But right. as soon as I thought, man, yes, we know what it is, then I realized how serious right. bacterial meningitis is. And my heart just sang. And uh, uh, he was sick. I'm talking about sick. Um, I, I mean, I'm trying to cry. Yeah, you're all right. Um, I really thought on that Friday and that Saturday uh, that he wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Even Sunday, too, with those few days that were right there, he was lifeless. He laid in that, uh, he laid in that hospital bed, and uh, no life, couldn't lift his head up, couldn't move, um, just unresponsive, basically. He could open his eyes, and that was about it. And uh, on Saturday, uh, my dad, being a pastor, got to come in. Yeah. And uh, come in as a clergyman. And that one buddy, <laughs> he's, a, he's a wild man. I don't know where that went. Uh, he came in as a pastor on that Saturday. Right. And um, that was the first moment that he showed any life was when Papa was standing there as, as preacher, but he was Papa. Yeah. And um, nobody come in except me and Bray, me and my wife, because of COVID. And he was in, we was in, at this point on, on Friday night, they moved us. Yeah, you don't talk. They moved us Friday night from just regular room to the PICU, which is a pediatric intensive care. Yeah. And uh, we were in there on that Saturday. My pop, my, his papa came in, and when he came in, Zeke didn't wake up, didn't get up, but it was in that few minutes that Zeke opened his eyes yeah. and looked. That was the first time in four days. He had not eaten anything, had not drank anything in four mm. days. First time he looked into somebody's eyes, and it was Papa. Yeah. Uh, and so that was pretty awesome. In that moment, it was like, that was Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, still no response. And I've said this before, and I've not really told this story, so it may not even come out right. <laughs> but uh, Saturday night was in that good. Huh? Was in that picky, and I can't explain. But, uh, well, I can't explain it because yeah. I know God. Yeah. Uh, there was a peace. Yeah. yeah. There's a peace that come in that room. Amen, brother. And uh, I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna go up to west. There was a peace that come in that room. And uh, I just knew. I just knew everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, man, <laughs> and it was no better. Yeah. He was no better in that moment. Right. I, I didn't know he was gonna live, but I knew everything was gonna be all right. Amen. If that makes sense, I oh, don't yeah. know. And uh, yeah. It was it was Sunday. He finally took a bottle on that Sunday night. He took a bottle, and uh, I mean, I, he took it and then immediately threw it all back up. It right. was awful. Um, but he was so sick. And uh, on that Saturday, and I'm talking, so you interrupt me. Go ahead. On that Saturday, my grandpa, y'all know my, my both sets of my grandparents, but um, my dad's mom and dad, Dr. Ronnie Simpson, come up to my dad's house because... I, honestly, I think it might have been worse on my family and our families because they were not able to come. Right, right. They just could see pictures and him laying there. But my grandpa, Brother Ronnie, came into my dad's house and came up and was on FaceTime with him. And my, you know, my grandma, she's she's just a crying, talking to me, and telling me she loves me and stuff like that. But my my grandpa's rough. I yeah. love it. <laughs> He's gonna tell it like it is. And he looked on. He looked at me on that uh, on that FaceTime and he said, "Son." We either trust God or we don't. Yeah. 
That's why he said. Yeah. Like, Thanks for the encouragement, Papa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that man, them words hit home, yeah. and I think it was because of that. God put peace in my heart that everything's right. gonna be all right. Sunday came, and he started. He got to eat a bottle. Monday came, a little bit better. And uh, man, Tuesday came a little bit better. They told us they told us fourteen days to begin with. It's going to, have to run antibiotics in fourteen days. Turned into twenty-one days. Then turned into twenty-eight days because the infection wasn't gone. His infection was on his brain. It was swelling. It was, there's so much details that go into that. But they just said we're going to, have to do this. We're going to, have to do this. We're going to, have to do this. And uh, it was, I guess it was about day ten. Well, no, it was about day fifteen. It was about day 15 because we was on antibiotics for 15 days. And uh, it was at least 21 days was going to have to happen. They were thinking 28 days at Brenner's, then two weeks at Levine's for physical therapy. Right. So that's, you know, that's yeah. almost three months. Uh, and so all that's taking place. And it's and I mean this with all sincerity. It was like, and he turned a corner. And it went from no life at all. And they still, you know, I say turn the corner he right. was still sick as a dog but right as a light turned on yeah he started getting back up and he had lost so much weight you could see every rib in his body he's already a rail anyway because he runs all over the place but he's so skinny and when they told us 28 days i was fine with it i wanted him to be better well, this is day 15 day 16 they come in and say well he's looking pretty good day 17 they come in say well it might be 21 days and then two weeks at the beans well, day 18 they come in they tell us it's time to go home. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there. Part of me was like, no way, hang on a second. Yeah. You don't need to go home. Right. But I, when I mean, and again, he is so sick still now. But it, from what he was in just two days, it was right. two days. Yeah. And God, God healed him. Yeah. Right. He's a yeah. miracle. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I could give you all the details about what happened and all the doctors. When I say doctors, I'm talking about. There were so many doctors in that room. I felt like a redneck dummy because there's so many people in that room right. so much smarter than I was. And uh, but I tell you what, so many people come in, and it, and I know that them doctors know what they was doing. Them they knew what they was doing. But the reason my boy is where he is right now and just sit in front of all y'all is because how many people was praying for him. Yeah, we put videos on. We my wife tried to keep everybody updated on Facebook. We had so many texts and calls, and I did my best. I probably missed some. I did my best to keep up with everybody, so we just started putting it on Facebook, and we put a video on there with Lil Z. And before I knew it, it was like 10,000 people watched it, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 people watched this video in a matter of hours. Right. Like, what in the world? Right. How is this possible? Yeah. And we got to see, you know, we're hearing stories. Yeah. Yeah. We hear stories about how God moved right. in people's life, and they saw how God performed a miracle. And, uh, but I got to see with my own eyes yeah. <laughs> God perform a miracle right in front of me yeah. Yeah. with my little boy. Yeah, it's hard to be. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what, he's good. Yeah, he is. He's good. Yeah. Man, I, I don't know. I don't deserve that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, he none of us deserve anything, but he is a gracious God. <laughs> you know, I was praying during that time, and I was trying to think about how y'all would be feeling. I never have had a young and that sick. Trey was sick some when he's a little baby back and forth the hospital with him, a, a kind of a birth defect kind of thing. But I was trying to think about how y'all would be feeling. I remember thinking, I thought, man, 
I said, told the Lord, I said, Lord, their faith must be so thin right now. But if you could just help him maybe just a little bit, they could strengthen their faith along. You know, over the last few weeks, Rachel's been so sick, and there was nights that my faith was pretty thin, pretty thin. But it was in them times that I was so glad that I had people that could believe. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the importance of Christian friends. Absolutely. Is when my faith runs thin, yes. I've got friends that can call yes, on God. Yeah. Um, people belittle the church and talk, but I'm telling you, I don't know what I'd do without God's mm. people. I do not know yeah. how we would have made it. I don't know how we did make it, but I really don't know what we would have done if it wouldn't have been for Christian people. Yeah. All over the country. Yeah. I'd pray for my boy because here's the deal. And you probably think bad about me for what I'm about to say, but I had people text me and just say, well, we're praying, just keep praying. And tell me to keep praying. And I knew what they were saying. And I was praying. But there was times. Yeah. yeah. Especially in those first six, seven days when he was so sick. Yeah. I had no idea what. I couldn't pray. Yeah. yeah. And, and you say, well, that's terrible. One, I couldn't pray because I couldn't literally get, I literally couldn't get the words out of my mouth yeah. when I wanted to pray. But, Again, there was so many doctors in that room. We didn't have a free moment. Right. Every, it was every other minute yeah. there was doctors coming in. And uh, I was praying every chance I could. But there's the reason that my boy's here is not because of my, I really believe it's not because of my prayers. It's because of the prayers of, his, of God's yeah. people yeah. joining together. Yeah. And, uh, don't ever underestimate. Right. That's a good we can't ever underestimate the power of the church joining together. That's right. Bear you one another's burdens. That's right. It's in there for a reason. Right. And uh, man, I thank you to everyone. Yeah. I, if I've said that one time, I've said it a million times in the last month and a half, I can't ever say thank you enough. Well, sometimes things like that happen, it's like thank you's not enough. Yeah. You, know, you feel like, yeah, you say it, but yeah. it's like it's not enough. Right. And he's talking about the peace of God. I remember my wife years ago. Uh, they died and they found a tumor uh, on her colon. And uh, I just started traveling on the road. And we had them, you know, my girls were little at that time. I never forget it. And uh, she uh, she called me on the way back from the doctor's office, told me, I said, What's going on? She said, It's bad. And uh, she, it was on a Friday. She had to be at the cancer center the following Tuesday. <clears throat> and I never forget, I got my study and I crawled up under my desk. And I said, Lord, I got these two babies. And Lord, you put me in this ministry and I need my help, mate. Yeah. And uh, just as clear as he's ever spoke to me, uh, he said, uh, yeah, just like you said, I, you know, I knew everything was all right. I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And, but the Lord spoke to my heart and said, he said, you know, when that verse came to me, he's a very present help. Yeah. In time of trouble, I'll tell and you. I, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I, the peace of God. Oh yes. And uh, every time after that, I tried to pray. You know, God said, "I'm a very present help." Yeah, tell it. In time of trouble, and what we learn, it's it's one thing to say that. Yeah, tell it. But it's another thing to learn that. That's right. Through experience, and then you, uh, sadly, that's the only way we know those things. But He is a very present help. help. In the time of trouble, yes. I remember when he came home. We, of course, everybody was keeping up on Facebook, and our family was praying. You know, somebody was praying. Uh, 
I remember my wife, she came in, she said, uh, Zeke got to come home. I said, no, they're, they're taking him to the, uh, you know, for the uh, therapy. They're, they're just moving him. Enough. She said, no. I said, he's coming home. <laughs> and I said, no, no, you know what I mean? You've got it wrong. And, and, that's how we felt. Uh, yeah. She told felt. me that she showed me the video, and I just, I mean, I rejoiced in my own heart. I can't imagine oh, if boy. that was my kid, you know. Yeah, I'm boy. And, uh, but the Lord is good. Yes, he is. When Trey, when Trey, when they did that ultrasound on Rachel, they, he had what's called hydrophrosis, and they thought they, that he had a blockage where his um, ureter goes down into his bladder. They ended up having eight ultrasounds, and uh, they told us, they said, sure, as soon as he's born, we'll have to take him straight to Winston-Salem and do a surgery on that kidney. A week before, his, a week before he was born, uh, it was uh, Sherathon week at WKJV. And I was working at Summit Building Supply at that time. I was listening to it on the radio. The Lord laid on my heart. He said, why don't you give $100 to the radio station in honor of having a healthy baby boy? I remember praying. I said, Lord, I don't know that my boy's healthy. Yeah. The Lord said, that ain't what I said. Yeah. He said, just dedicate that boy. Well, I went home. Me and Rachel was poorer than... We poor. I'm telling you, we went to McDonald's. It was a big ordeal. <laughs> I walked in. I said, "How much money we got?" She said, "We got ninety-seven dollars and something." That's total. <laughs> Everything together, ninety-seven dollars. <laughs> I said, "That ain't enough." I told the Lord, "I said, if you'll give me three dollars, I'll give it." I'm gonna shout. <laughs> we come to church at night. It's on Wednesday night. And uh, I got done preaching up here at the old building. We had about nine people. There's a deacon stands at the back door, and as I was shaking hands, he come out and just stuck something in my pocket. He said, Lord said for me to give that to you. And he'd done that before, $20, $10, whatever. I got out in the parking lot, and I reached in my pocket and pulled out a $100 bill. <laughs> Goodness, I tore the world down, son. <laughs> I shouted around that parking lot. I know they thought I was the most materialistic preacher ever was. I was running to that hundred dollar bill shouting. They thought, I bet you people thought, boy, he really proud of that hundred dollars. And I knew. Yeah. Just like you said. When they took him down on there, they come and got him after he's born, put him on a little old gurney and took him down there to do that test on his kidneys. And I followed him all the way to the door. And they would forget that little gurney had a wheel that was loose. And I followed it all the way and watched them go out of sight. I walked over to a drink machine, looked out over Asheville. It was the loneliest I've ever been in my life. I can't imagine, bro. I said, Lord, boy, this somebody just come by right now. It seemed like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, son, I'm here all the time. <laughs> you know? Long story short, they come back in, they said, Go send him home, bring him back in a month. We went to a urologist, his name was Dr. Simpkins. He looked at him and said, Bring him back when he's five. Yeah. Brought him back when he was five. Dr. Simpkins looked at him and said, You know, unless he just starts having trouble. <laughs> well, he's 20. Yeah. <laughs> we never did make it down there to have that. So I'm just saying, God is yeah, able. He's a, he is. Absolutely. He's so faithful. So faithful. And I've, I, you know, y'all are like family to me, your whole family. I mean, from your mom, dad, cousins. <laughs> I don't know. I just so many avians are special to, to us here, and uh, just seeing God do that in your life. 
when you came up for this meeting, I thought I gotta have him on for a podcast. Talk about how talk, faithful God yeah. is. Talk about how he's doing now. I know he, you know, he got the implant. <clears throat> yeah, he's doing. Uh, I was telling somebody today. Uh, it's amazing to watch. You know, this is. Uh, he got sick. It was March the fourth, and uh, so it's been a while now, really. Um, and I, you know, I say from what it is now to then, it's unbelievable. But even just in two weeks, even in two weeks, his recovery is just amazing. Um, when we brought him, well, when he was in the hospital, he was, he got moved. He's there, laying there. I uh, couldn't make it, pick his head up. He's like mm-hmm. a two-day-old uh, when you pick him up. You had to hold him in your arms like a just an infant. And uh, he was got to where he could sit up in the hospital and then he got where he could stand up he could grab hold of your leg and stand up and he loves to play ball so that's a that's a help he he wants to play ball and so that drives him you know yeah. it's like like his daddy and he uh but today and that, in fact just out in the foyer a minute ago he's running he's running yeah. of course he's about to fall all over the place yeah. But he's they said he might never walk again. No, they, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, they they didn't know. That's God. That's exactly right. The thing with this disease of bacterial meningitis, there's, there's viral meningitis, there's bacterial meningitis, and he had bacterial, which is a little bit more serious than viral, and there really is no way to know what the effects and what's going to happen after mm-hmm. you get you know you're towards your recovery. And there's things that he's going to battle for the rest of his life from, and uh, like his his hearing. Uh, but there could be things five years down the road they say could come up. Right. Um, but right now, <laughs> um, I'm not really worried about tomorrow. Yeah. Right. What God's done now. Yeah. Um, God, what He's done in the last two months is let me know whatever happens in five years, God's able to take care That's of right. it. But right now, it, we took him home from the hospital. And, we had to actually finish his antibiotics. He didn't even finish his antibiotics in the hospital. That's how crazy it is. We finished the last four days of antibiotics at home. Um, he, we didn't know if anything's wrong with him or not. He went back for a hearing test, and his right ear, they said, was partial hearing. They couldn't tell how much. They knew, they said that the audiologist, which doctor of the ears, knew that he had lost some in his right ear, but couldn't tell how much. And then his left ear, no response, completely gone. Uh, so we, you know, as far as we knew, he was almost completely deaf. Um, and so we, the cochlear implants, I know a lot of people know about that, um, was introduced to us. And we thought it was going to have to be in both ears because the, the doctors told us that right. he had lost a lot in his right ear. He was going to have to have bilateral cochlear implants. Um, and so we went back like a week later, maybe a week and a half mm-hmm. later to the, ear, nose, and throat doctor and the audiologist, and they did another test. Well, that left ear is no response. Uh, but the right ear was completely normal. What about that? <laughs> In I just a weird. week. And uh, we could come up with excuses, but I know what <laughs> happened. God, right. God yeah. that, did that. Uh, in just a week, it went from partial hearing, if any, hardly at all, to complete normal. Uh, and But on May the, May the 5th, I believe it was, he had a surgery for a cochlear implant in his left ear. And uh, this past Wednesday, uh, he actually got his two-part. You got to do it the inside, and then it has to heal. This past Wednesday, they put the outside part of that cochlear on. And, in fact, uh, when my mind's so bad, I think he had it on while he was sitting there. He, he did, yeah. Uh, and so he's doing good with that. Um, you know, when people, little kids or anybody that 
that can't hear at all when they get that cochlear um, and they do that implant and they put that on the, their ears, they have a lot of times a response. Maybe right. they laugh or they cry or they smile or they do something. Well, he could hear, so I didn't expect him to do anything when I put that implant on this past Wednesday. Well, he's sitting on my lap and he was watching, sorry, he was watching Baby Shark. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's his favorite show. He never liked TV until he got in the hospital. All he wants to watch is Baby Shark now. But uh, he was sitting on my lap watching it. And it, the audiologist, her name's Ashley, she put it on, and, and she turned it on. And he didn't smile, he didn't laugh, didn't cry, but he was sitting there watching. And all of a sudden, he was, I mean, he's zoned in that thing. And all of a sudden, he went, like right there. Yeah. He just looked up and looked around. <laughs> and uh, I said, that's working right there. Yeah. Um, but he's doing good, and, you know, we prayed. You know, he's, he's a wild man. You could see in the last, in the two minutes, I don't know, however long he sat here, he's, he's all over the place. Um, I, I just knew when they put that implant on that he'd never keep it on. I told Bree, I said, he'll never keep this on. This is going to be a, a struggle 24-7. And we, so when we, we asked people to pray, we asked people to pray that yes, it would go smoothly in yeah. the fact that he would keep it on. And I don't know if it's he, he just likes it or that God answered that prayer. Amen. Because ever since Wednesday, he don't take it off. He leaves it there. It's yeah. a, now that may not amaze others, but that amazes his yeah, daddy because right. I know him. Yeah, that ain't him, and uh, he'll leave it sitting there. And I, we put a headband on him, not because he wants to take it off, but because he's so wild right. that it comes off. It comes off. Yeah. But uh, I told him he looks like some basketball player. He's gonna be a basketball player one day. But but it, it's it's doing great, doing great. You no, know, I, I know when when <clears throat> of course when you was trying to make a decision about the implant. Um, you asked people to pray about that because that was a big decision. Yeah. And I remember years ago, Abby, our oldest daughter, had some health issues. And the doctor gave us, kind of like that, just a, a couple different courses of treatment. Both of them was going to affect her the rest of her life. And um, it was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. And the reason why, if it was just for me, I would just made it and mm-hmm. went about it. Right. But I knew that my decision was not yeah. for me, that it was for her. Mm-hmm. And whatever decision I made was going to affect not my life, but her life, the rest of her life. The rest of her life. And her quality of life and all these other things. And that was the hardest, I mean, really. I remember after about two weeks, they give us some, finally I just called the doctor and I said, look, I, I, I prayed about it, I prayed about it. If it was your daughter, what would you do? And, uh, of course, we, you know, she gave us some counsel on that, and we prayed about it and, and you know, done what we felt like we were supposed to do. But uh, I know that had to be a hard decision. And yeah. talk about that. I mean, how it the, was. I mean, um, what you said, if it was been my life, it affected. Right. And it did affect my life, sure. but so my new compared to what it's going to do for his yeah. life. It wouldn't have been as difficult, but it's. That's what just kept ringing in my mind. Every time me and Bree talked about it, every time we talked to anybody about it, it's going to affect his life for the rest yeah. of his life. When he's my age and starting a family, he's going to have to deal with that. Yeah, um, yeah that, that was the hardest decision, hardest decision. Because when we was in the hospital, he was just sick. That The decisions that had to be made, yeah, I really didn't have to make no decisions because yeah, right. it was life and death. And so that was really... The first big decision. Yeah. Now, there were some decisions we had to make in the hospital, but nothing like that. I'm, I'm yeah. I remember when y'all put that out there. I, you know, of course we prayed for you the whole time, but I could really, I was earnestly prayed that God would give you leadership because it's it's you know it's difficult to make yeah. a decision like you know uh, for them. Yeah, my grandpa, brother Alan Barker, he's always told me, uh, 
he's always talked about the will of God to me and uh, how to know the will of God. And there's many things he told me, but one of the main things he's told me about the will of God is peace. Yeah. If it's the will of God, then it's the choice that God wants you to do. You'll have complete peace. Uh-huh. And I, I understand that. Yeah. And I did before this moment, but this just solidified that for me that <laughs> there was no question. And, right. and Zeke could be fine. I mean, he could live without that cochlear implant. But, you know, so that was what was so hard. You know, because yeah. he yeah. could live with it or live without it. How do you make that decision? Um, but there was peace. And he's always told me, son, if you don't have peace in your heart about a decision, you need to, you don't yeah, need to do anything. Yeah. You don't need to do anything, even if it's small or big. And so that's just what was ringing in my mind. Even though how hard that decision was, it just kept pounding, yeah. boom, boom. And it was, it was evident that there was no doubt in my mind, this is what we're supposed to do. Right, right. I mean, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking, your family is so musical. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I sing some, but I'm not musical like my kids. But I know that Trey and Gabe both tell me, you know, you got to hear it. You got to be able to hear it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it had impaired his hearing any further, you know, he might have lost that ability to, to hear. I don't know what the Lord's going to do with him, but maybe yeah. getting that cochlear implant yeah. will help him to be able to hear and be musical. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and it's a different type of hearing. Um, the best way that they explain it is your normal hearing is like natural, it's like acoustic hearing. That's almost like electric hearing. It's mm. it's, uh, it's different. Um, and anybody with and with hearing aids, I mean, that's a different type of hearing. Um, but really one of the main things that was a game changer in the decision making process is that, you know, like I said a second ago, bacterial meningitis, some of the effects of it can show up years down the road. Right. So like there's been cases where people have lost their hearing five years down the road and if that happened and we didn't do the cochlear and it was a rush and I ain't got I won't go into all the detail, but with the cochlear implant there was a rush of time. That's what made the decision real hard right. too. Because in that cochlear there's fluid and with meningitis, that fluid will dry up and, and it'll turn to bone. And then they can't put a cochlear implant in. And so it was like, okay, make this decision right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do you do that? But one of the major factors is what you're saying. Years down the road, he could have lost his hearing in his right ear. Right. And then if we didn't do the cochlear implant, he couldn't hear at all. Right. And so it was, it was, it was the hardest choice I've ever made. I will say that for sure. Right. Well, I think you, I've, I've watched you guys come through with so much uh, grace and faith. And, uh, you know, whether or not you were doubting privately, yeah. uh, and I know everybody has moments sure. of doubt when things like that happen, you handled yourself like Christians. You presented a, a front of faith. I don't, I don't, I don't say that lightly or, or, you know, but a lot of times I think Christians fall apart when things happen and the world sees that and they go, well, they're no different than us. Right. Uh, but I watched your family handle it with so much grace, believe God, even when it was hard to believe. And I commend you for that. I commend you for that because uh, I thought it was a great testimony. I thought it was a great testimony for what the Lord can do. And I think it helps people to see folks that believe God and then see God do things. Sure. Um, I just... I just love this story. Well, it's probably yet story. yet to be seen what God's going to do. You know, yeah. Romans 8, all things work together for the good, for those who love God on the call. And uh, we don't know what God's going to do. That's right. 
20 years in his, down the road in his life, right. you know, but, yeah. but he knows. Yeah. And then she had to be saying what God's going to do. Yeah. In times like that, you make God every promise that you can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I promise him, God, if you'll, if you'll get him out of his hospital, yeah. I'll, I'll get him in every Bible college class I can. I'll get yeah. him every, every church service I'll have him yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but I mean, our, our front, like you were saying, um, of course, everybody doubts at times, like you were saying. But I mean, it was. There was times me and, me and my wife we just sit in the hotel room, or the hotel the hospital room and we just look at each other, couldn't talk, just cry. Oh. And uh, you know, you're gonna have that time. Yeah. Days, yeah. You're gonna have days where you don't understand. I mean, I have to ask God why. Yeah, and, and you know, situations like this and other things, it, it reminds you how helpless yes. you are. Yes. And that is one of the the most gut wrenching yeah. feelings yeah. to yeah. see someone you love laying there. Because as a parent, absolute, yeah, and that's, you, that's you what can't, your whole you life. Can't, you're helpless, right? You want your parent. If you don't feel like this as a parent, at least I do. I want to give him everything. Right. I I give him my life if I could. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't do anything for him. He's just laying there. That may have been the hardest part of it. Is that <laughs> it was out of my hands. You know, yeah. I couldn't do anything. And I think. That's what helped me. Right. Not at first, because it was hard. Yeah. But I came to this realization that I can't do anything. Yeah. I've got to have God work, because I can't. Yeah, that's true. And you know, it's sad that sometimes it takes a situation like that to make you realize that. Yeah. But that's not, it don't have to be that drastic of a situation in your life to realize that. You can't do anything anyway. It's got to be God that does the work. You know, we was riding up the road last night, and Reagan, my daughter, she's the philosopher of the crowd. (laughs) It's just me and her. She said, Dad, she said, if you could have two wishes, and one of them had to be selfish, and then one of them had to be for the good of the entire world, what are the two things you'd wish for? I thought about it just a second, and I said, well, my selfish, my selfish wish is I'd wish for my family always to have good health. That'd be my selfish wish. Me and my family always have good health. And I said my, my, my wish for the world would be that they'd all be saved. And she, we rode just a minute, and she said, uh, you didn't want a million dollars? And I said, no. And I said, let me tell you why. I said, when somebody in your family gets sick, you realize you, that's when you realize how worthless money is. That's right. Because you can't buy. That's right. You can't buy no more time with people. You can't buy health. You know, it's, you it's, all buy, that is useless. You can't buy that peace neither. No, you can't. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm not being critical of anybody, but how people go through that without a relationship with God. Oh, goodness. I just, I, I, can't, I can't imagine, you know, having to walk through a valley like that uh, without God. And sad, sad thing is, a lot of people do. They do, you know, and they do it ignorantly. Some people don't know, oh, you know, how how much God will walk through them. <laughs> yeah, they'll walk through the valley. He'll walk through the valley with us. Right. And and I can't imagine going through things without without His presence, without His grace. Uh, I was thinking about when you said you couldn't pray. I was thinking about Romans eight. The Holy Spirit of God interceding for us with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered. And uh, well, I'm thankful. 
the one I can't, he can't. And uh, that, thank God for that. And uh, I will say this, if you struggle, if you're going through something, the Lord, you just have to lean on him. Yeah, that's right. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. And honestly, you know, it's like you were saying there a minute ago, we all doubt. We all, we all struggle during them times. You know, and I think it's so important that Christians handle trouble with grace. I think that's part of the discipline of Christian life. Yeah. It's the patience that tribulation worketh. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I want people listening and watching to know that if they struggle, it's not odd. Uh, it's human. Yeah. It's human. You know, we've got a great Christian doctor, and when Rachel was so sick with COVID, I, I was continually um, shooting her questions. You know, what should I do? How should I handle this? What should I do? Trying to get her better, you know. And I'm, I remember one, one, one evening I sent her a message, and I said, do you, do you think she'll ever get better? I mean, she was sick. Mm-hmm. People don't understand. Yeah. She said back to me, she said, that's old devil, Bradley. You need to have faith. Yeah. I was so ashamed. Yeah. I thought, here's the preacher talking to the doctor. <laughs> and the doctor's telling the preacher, yeah. you need to have faith. That's the devil. You need to have faith. I thought, oh, boy, I, you know, I've really uh, shown myself here to be weak. Yeah. And I don't like that. Uh, but everybody, everybody struggles, particularly, you know, some can be wrong with me. I can face it. Yeah. With your little one, mm. with your yeah. wife. Yeah. Oh, man. Reaches your heart yeah. out. Oh, boy. And I think God puts people in your life, kind of like that story right there. I, right when we was making that decision about the implant, the cochlear implant, um, my uncle, Brother Jonathan Barker. He asked, he told me, he said, I know a guy, a doctor that's helped me, that's worked a little bit in that field. Y'all call him. His name is Mark. I said, okay. And, uh, you know, I had so many people right. say, you need to do this and do this. Right. But I knew when, when my Uncle John told me that, I said, I need to call this guy. So I called him. And uh, we played phone tag for like two days. And I was like, well, we just ain't going to get to talk. And uh, he finally called me back. And I said, free spot, I I clicked the green button and answered the phone. And uh, <clears throat> I, I know that God would have helped us. He'd help us through it no matter what. But that that man that taught his preacher, he uh, he's worked in that field. Through that conversation is how God gave me peace yeah. to, to go yeah. and get that cochlear implant. Mm-hmm. And God will send you yes. who you need in I'm your life right. I'm in the exact right. moment. Yeah. That man... I never seen. Him. I don't. If he walked in this room right now, I wouldn't know him. But I'm telling you what, it was through him. God used him to give me peace to make that decision for our family for a little, for my little man. And I, I thought about that when you're saying that. God, in a time when you don't know what to do, God will let you. God, God will give you a way. That's right. True. Whether we know it or not, true. God will give you a way that's to right. know. That's right. That's right. That's like I said when I when I call a doctor. And I was finally, I said, look, I, don't, I have no idea. You know, I need, I need some. And when she told me, it's just like, it's just like, it's like you said, it's the peace of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew that's what I needed to do. And uh, we, we haven't second guessed. We knew us, you know, that was uh, what felt like the Lord wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm thinking, God knows what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. How true. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. 
just to watch him work. It's amazing. It is. Well, I think we've established in this podcast that God is faithful. Yes, he is. You know, whether we believe him, whether we're, I mean, just, you know, honestly, sometimes I look at myself. I can't speak for nobody else, but honestly, I look at myself sometimes and I think if I was God, I'd look at old Bradley and go, really? You're doubting me? Okay. After all I've done for you, you're doubting me now. You know, but he's just remained faithful. Yeah. There'll be never, there'll never be a time in my life from here on out. I say, I'm, I'm serious. I know I'm, I'm just from a person. They say about me, but I don't believe there'll be a time that nobody ever be able to convince me God ain't real. God don't hear prayers. God can't do miracles. That's right. I've seen it. And I, yeah. There's time and time again right there. Yeah. But God let me see it. That's right. Talk about the grace of God. It's, he let me see it. It's one thing to, to, and we believe the Bible. Yes. But it's one thing to say, look what God done for right. these people. But it's another thing. Yeah. When God Lord. does it for you. Yeah. And you can testify, hey, what He done for them? He done for me. That's exactly right. And uh, when He when, when He when He gets real on that level, yeah. uh, it's just a it's just a whole another experience to me. I got when the Lord called me to preach. Me and my dad actually, Daddy helped me build my first outline, and we sat down and studied Exodus chapter six. When God's telling him He's gonna bring him out of Egypt, in Exodus six, He told, He said, "I promised your fathers that land of rest, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." But then I think it's verse number eight of Exodus six. He said, "I promise to give it to you." And it's one thing when you hear God give it somebody to your father or somebody yeah. else, when God promises you something. Gives you something. You know, I think one of the things that's helped me more than anything, as I've said this a lot, <clears throat> I don't have any problem believing that God will do it for you, for you, yeah. or anybody, anybody else. But I have a hard time thinking God will do it for me sometimes because right. I know how sorry I am. Right. You know, I know me. Right. And, yeah. But when I realize that God does not work in the realm of obligation, in other words, God don't do anything for me or you because we're a, you're a better person than me mm-hmm. or I'm a better person than you. But God works in grace. Yeah. And the reason he does anything is because he is gracious. Yeah. And, he, and, and, and he didn't save me because I deserved it. He saved me because he is gracious. Mm-hmm. And God don't answer a prayer for me because I deserve it. Yeah. He answers a prayer for me because he is gracious. Yeah. And what he do for you, he'll do for me. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. Yeah. And when we realize it's not about us, it's about him. God didn't do this for Jeremiah because of who Jeremiah is. That's right. He ain't done it because of who he is. Hallelujah. He is gracious yeah. and he is merciful. And uh, the reason he's that way is because he can't help but be. That's who he is. You know, um, you telling that story makes me think of my great granddaddy owned a motel and a restaurant. He had a little. He had a little black man that cooked for him. His name was Claude Griffith. And uh, my grandmother tells this story one, one evening after church. They went by the restaurant, and Claude was in there cooking. And she said, Claude, how you doing? And he said, Lord, my feet's killing me. And she said, well, maybe if you would go to church on Sunday instead of being up here cooking, your feet wouldn't hurt. He said, let me tell you something right now. He said, my Lord, don't do no spite work. And said he also don't don't reward on merit. 
<laughs> he went back to cooking. <laughs> I've always thought, my Lord, don't do no spot work. He don't reward on merit. Amen. That's, right. That's good. Well, it has been great having you. Well, I, I'm I telling you, the Lord's been real in this room. Yes, he has. And uh, I just, we're going to be excited to watch uh, and see what all the Lord does in the days to come. Time lasts, what the Lord does in his life as he gets older. You know, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll have one of these young preacher meetings on uh, Memorial Day weekend and uh, maybe little Zeke will be uh, preaching uh, one of these days. But uh, uh, we pray, you, we're still praying, encourage everybody watching. Just when you think about it, remember Zeke. We'll take the if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah size all <laughs> Just keep praying for him yeah, as please. his... Um, as he continues to heal and continues to get better. And uh, whatever you're facing, just, just keep believing God. Amen. Just keep believing God he's able. Exactly. Thank you, preacher. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Be sure and share the podcast. God bless you. Next time, remember strengthen things that remain. See you then.